All righty. Give the worship team just a hand of appreciation for leading us every week into worship. God bless you, worship team. Thank you uh, for your hard work. Thank you for what you do uh, each and every week. Well, we're, we're sign number six today. So if you're just jumping in for the first time, you want to go back to the archives and, and watch the previous five signs. The book of John, John, the 20th chapter, I think it's the 30th or 31st verse, John says, I suppose, and I like how King James says that, I suppose, John is pondering, I suppose that if all the signs were written down that Jesus did, the volumes of the book that it would record, the world could not contain. Now, I, that seems like an exaggeration at first, but then we must realize that it's the Holy Spirit that unctions these gospel writers to write what they say. So we know that Jesus did many, 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 many signs and wonder. The word sign, again, is simia. It means to authenticate, to authorize, or a miracle. So Jesus does all these signs. Well, John pulls out seven major signs, so something that we can take away, something that we can learn from. Today, we're going to talk about opening the side of the blind. And it's not just about a blind person. It's not about a, a sight-impaired person. It's about all of us being blind to different things in our life. Uh, maybe it's something political, maybe it's something spiritual, maybe it's something physical, maybe it's something financial, maybe it's someone that we just don't like or understand. We become blind to certain areas, and we're going to talk about those areas today, and there's enlightenment that we can have. Uh, great uh, eye doctor in our church, Dr. Richard Chang, has been working on my eyes, and so he helps Janie with hers, and Janie was telling him that Mark thinks he has cataracts, which I thought I did, and although I wasn't, I'm not an eye doctor, I don't profess to be one, uh, I had my eyes checked, I had a really bad cataract on my right eye, and then they, they take away the cataract with uh, some ultrasound, and then they actually put a little implant in behind the the retina or cornea or somewhere in the eye. And so this eye now has 20-20 vision. Yay. So I can see half of you really well. <laughs> this half, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to see you really well next week because I get the other one uh, this Wednesday. And so it's a really, it's a really weird thing when you, you adjust. See, we adjust in life, right? And so I was adjusting and my glasses, I thought were just going kind of bad. And then I realized my eye was going bad. And so they looked at it and said, yeah, your eyes are bad. Well, the first surgery that I had a couple of weeks ago, uh, you wear a patch for uh, basically from the time of operation until the next morning, take the patch off. And I thought Janie had changed all the light bulbs in our bathroom. Everything was so much brighter. Everything was so much clearer. I thought, oh my goodness. And then I saw in the mirror and I thought, oh my goodness. It's, that's not what I was after. Uh, and, and so I, you know, tried golfing, and, you know, if I hit the ball straight, my golf game is really good. If I slice it or hook it, I can't find the ball because that's this size. So hopefully next week I'll really be able to see really, really good. But the doctor assured me everything was going to be fine, and uh, he was going to take care. I'm not comparing myself to a blind person, but he was going to take care of these cataracts and my vision, and I'm never going to wear glasses again. I just think that's the coolest thing in the world. It's like a medical miracle, man. It's just, thank you, Jesus. And uh, 
And some of the kids are saying, Mama, Papa's freaking us out without any glasses on. Like, that's all they've ever known. Well, be freaked out, because I am not wearing glasses if I don't have to. Uh, designers can have their glasses. I want to be able to see you all just like you are. And again, I can see half of you really good. The other half, not so good, but we're getting there. So can you imagine, though, this blind person has been blind all his life, and all of a sudden, boom. And it's really, now think about that. that Whenever Jesus does a miracle, it's like a real miracle. Like when he healed the paralytic man a couple weeks ago, that man was paralyzed for 38 years. He not only made him be able to walk, healed his strength in his legs, but then he could instantly walk. Think about that for a second. It's like in humanity, we have to learn how to walk. No, this guy got up, picked up his bed, and he walked away. The the, the story we're going to learn about today is this man started to, he, he started to see, and then he started to know who he was seeing and where he was going and what he was doing. No focus, no nothing. It was just like a double miracle. And so um, here's what happens. Like my cataracts, when things start to cloud your vision, maybe spiritually, maybe physically, maybe financially, maybe emotionally, maybe anxiety takes over, and that starts to cloud your, your, your vision, starts to cloud your, your emotion, you start to adjust to that. The Lord wants to make the adjustment for you, okay? He wants to come in and take that anxiety away. He wants to come in and take that depression away. He wants to come in and take that misery away so he can give you perfect peace and harmony and love. And all of a sudden, you stand back amazed like I did the next morning and say, wow, this is really bright. That's how God wants us to place our trust in him, our hope, our desire in him. Amen? It's important to know. So let's read John, the ninth chapter. I think the first eight verses, as he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You don't want to catch that for a second. So that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work in the works, uh, work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his uh, saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back saying, The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you, Lord, that in some cases we're all blind to something. Maybe it's uh, racism or maybe it's oppression or maybe it's uh, segregation or maybe it's uh, political maneuvering or maybe it's just, Lord, religious people or religiosity. Father, we're blind and we pray, Lord, that you'd open our eyes to hear not only your word today but your actions through us. Father, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So we really have four group people groups here. There's the, the public, there's the Pharisees, there's the parents, and then there's the, the person 
uh, himself that, that, gets, that gets healed. So we'll talk about each people group for a moment and maybe how they were blind or some of the things that they can, they can come from. And the first one is the public. These are the neighbors that we talked about in verse number 8. If you go down to verse number 10, it's, they say, how were your eyes open? Like, we know you were blind, and we, now you see. And sometimes in life, uh, if you read any of Simon Sinek's material, he's a TED Talk guy, but he always says, start with why. And I think in big business, they always start, the successful businesses start with the, with the, the word why, rather than not how or what. A lot of people will say, well, what are they doing or how are they doing it? But why do they do that? Janie and I, were, we've talk, we talk a lot. We pray a lot. We, we visit a lot. And one of our questions always is, I wonder why that took place or why that ha- that's happening. These neighbors were into the how. And we, I think we all, uh, we all have neighbors that probably are a little on the nosy side. Are you, are you with me? Like they know more about you than you wish they knew about you. Or, or they like, we, sometimes we call them stalkers. Like, oh yeah, we were out of town last week. Yeah, I noticed you were gone. Oh, really? Did, I didn't want you to notice I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like we all have neighbors, and, and sometimes we have to be careful about our na- that we that we present ourselves a witness to our neighbors. You know, like you don't want to be the group that the neighbors talk about. Like, oh yeah, those guys, man. You, sh- I can hear them. I trust me, I can hear them. And, and so I think we got to be careful. Well, these neighbors in the scripture were kind of like that. They were blind to the compassion of Jesus, knowing that he could heal this young blind beggar man, as they put it. He's no longer a beggar man. He's no longer blind. This is the one. Isn't he the one that was over there? And so all of a sudden, it's like when someone gives their life over to Christ, people should take notice that you act a little differently. That you look a little differently, that you that you become a little bit different, and, I, and I'm not saying that you need to pick up the Bible and hit them over the head with it and say, you know, turn or burn. You got to live for Jesus. You're going to go to hell. No, you, it becomes a lifestyle that says, hey, I don't, you know, I'm 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 walking on my walk. I'm working on my walk. I'm I'm working on my marriage. I'm working on my home. I'm working on my finances. I'm working on. And so the neighbors know. I, I had a great neighbor uh, when when Jane and I were younger. The kids were young. Andrew was real young, less than a year old, and and we. Uh, we lived into, moved into a new neighborhood, uh, some of the schools that we wanted to get the kids into. And my neighbor's name was Sam, and uh, he was maybe, maybe 10 years older than me or so, but Sam had every tool in his garage, and he knew how to use it. And so I'd go over, and I learned after a while, if I borrowed the tool, Sam came with it. So I'd, Sam, could I borrow that drill? Yeah, and he'd bring the drill. And I, Sam, you mind, you mind if I use it or no? He said, no, Mark, I'll come over. I'll help you do it. So Sam was like a built-in mechanic, built-in maintenance man. It was the greatest thing in the world. He was a big Nebraska football fan, which I'm a big Nebraska football fan. We would talk Nebraska football. Well, we moved in the day after uh, Christmas uh, when Andrew was about seven or eight months old. And, and in Christmas or wintertime in the Midwest or in the North, sometimes you don't get out for three or four months. You know, it's cold. It's not like around here where you're standing around in your shorts or a sweatshirt and you're talking to everybody. There it's like 
brutally cold. And so we didn't get out until the spring of the year. It was close to Easter. And I had a House of Prayer t-shirt on. That's the church we went to, a softball t-shirt. And, and Sam said, House of Prayer. I said, yeah, that's the church we go to. He said, oh, I figured. I said, figured? What do you mean? He said, oh, yeah, I'll watch you guys every Sunday. I see you back out of your driveway. I see you drive up the street and come back every Sunday afternoon. He said, um, it's usually kind of later. I said, yeah, we, we go to my in-laws for, for roast every Sunday, roasting carrots. And so uh, we talked back and forth, and it was just hilarious. And I, got, I really thought, wait a second, you know, there's people watching each of us. There's people that watch your mannerisms. There's people that watch your actions. And this is, this is before, like this is right when Al Gore invented, invented the Internet. It was 1992, and, uh, and so social media wasn't out there. You didn't have all those platforms of, uh, of Facebook and uh, Instagram and all the different ones. So listen, can I tell you this? People are watching you, good or bad, right or wrong, in or out, mad or happy. Are you with me? And so when sometimes when we throw things out there on social media that we wished we'd have taken back, you know, 10 minutes later, and it's like too late, like, don't you wish they had a 30-minute clock on that thing? I'm going to sit, push, send, but i got 30 minutes to retract that, okay? It's not always the way. That's the same with our witness. This man was born blind. Jesus came to heal him so that he could show the works of the Father because while he was yet here, his light would shine, and the neighbors were totally blind to it. It's like they didn't, they just didn't see it. My neighbor, Sam, was a, just a really good, godly man. He went to church, his, he went to church every morning at 6 a.m. on Sundays, and so he got his church in and out. He went to Mass, and, but he was just a good just a good, solid guy. We talked about God all the time, talked about Jesus all the time, talked about Tom Osborne in Nebraska all the time. It was just amazing. We just had so many good conversations. People are watching you. You need to know this. Listen, because sometimes we think we're, we're, we're in by ourselves. Do you know Hebrews says there's a cloud of witnesses that are watching over you? They're, 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 they're there. And some people say, well, that's a metaphor. It may be. We know that God's watching over us. David said, whether they go to the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, God, you're there. You're everywhere. So God's all around. In fact, we're going to be judged for every idle word that we speak. That should scare some of us. Like when we just start shouting out at the mouth, or we start doing things that are, that are you know, that, that's just me. It's not me. Well, I'm from Burke County. No, stop it. <laughs> that doesn't give you a right. You're going to have to answer for that. Are you with me? With me. Onliners, please be with me. You got to be, we got to know that there are people watching over you watching your actions. The second ones are the Pharisees. And, and the Pharisees would be the religious groups, okay? And there's everywhere Jesus went, there was always religious people. There was always people looking at him. The Pharisees didn't even acknowledge that this man was healed. They wanted to know why Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. So it's like, aren't you glad when someone comes in, they become a Christ follower? Yeah, but pastor, they still do this. I get you. I understand. But at least they're following Christ. Yeah, but pastor, they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing this. Okay, thank you for being their watchdog, but let's be thankful that, they're, that they love God. Let's, let's be thankful for just a moment. They love God. Like they, they surrender their heart. Yeah, but they still did stop. Let's let Jesus sort it out. Okay? 
See, the religious people are the do's and the don'ts. The religious people, the Pharisees, like, hey, who healed them? Who, who, like, who, who, who healed you? Well, I don't know who healed me, he said. You know, I was blind. Now I see. I, and then Jesus slipped out into the crowd. If you read the rest of the story, he's gone at this point in time. Well, we got to find out because he healed on the Sabbath. Think about how stupid that sounds for a second. Just think about Just think about the arrogance. Wait a second. He healed you on the Sabbath. He shouldn't do that on the Sabbath. And if we go back in time, 125 years before Jesus showed up, the Pharisees were the most radical God followers in the land. But they started following their rules rather than started to follow God. And that happens in our life as we start to follow rules and rule makers. And God wants an intimate relationship with us every single day. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Every day he wants that new manna. Every day he wants that new beginning. Every day he wants that fresh start. And if we're not careful, we start to follow rules and man-made things versus what God has for us. Now listen, I believe in instruction. I believe in correction. I believe in, in reproof. I believe that the scripture gives us this admonishment. And yes, God does use some people to bring uh, a word into our life that maybe is a word of correction. But if we're not careful, we follow people's platforms, okay? In America, there's generally spoken about three different types of religious groups. One is Christianity, one is Judaism, and one is Muslim, okay? But I would say the religious groups we follow today are politics, sports, and Hollywood. The difference between the groups is Christianity, Judaism, and Muslim, they at least start a conversation about God. These become our God. We follow a sports figure, or we follow a political machine, or we follow Hollywood, and really all they're selling is power, or they're selling votes, or they're selling tennis shoes, or they're selling and different, different political maneuverings and different sports maneuverings, or maybe a boycott, or maybe they're, they're taking time off, or maybe they do this. And I believe everybody has a voice, but the voice you need to listen to is that of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? That's, listen, the pla Jesus' platform here was, yes, he might rile up the religious group, but he was going to do the works of his Father. That was the whole point of him opening the eyes of the blind was so that the works of the Father would be done him, through him so that what God would be glorified. If you join yourself with a platform, make sure it's a God-fearing platform. Mm, that was a good place to say amen. I'm telling you because, listen, church, what happens is we start to become blind and our political figure or our sports figure or our Hollywood celebrity has more voice in us than the scriptures do. They have more voice and we idolize them more than we do Jesus Christ of Nazareth, more than we do God the Father, more than we allow the Holy Spirit in. And this is a word of admonition this morning is that you have to be careful the time that you spend I have no idea what's going on, Jess. Neither do you. Good. So we're, we're in this together. It seems good. Okay. So we'll get it figured this week. But maybe it's just the Lord giving a little emphasis. Hear me. Hear me for a second. Be careful. To, you don't line yourself up with a lot of people that you don't know their true backstory. Be careful that you don't line yourself up with people that you say, oh, yeah, they're godly or they're this or I need their platform or I can't stand this guy. I got to be for this. Line yourself up with Jesus and he'll take care of the rest. Now, you know, if you feel like you got to boycott or protest or 
But Jesus, Jesus is the real deal. This is who we need to line ourselves up with, okay? This is what the Pharisees, this is the problem of the Pharisees. This is the problem of the day, of the age. This is, this is the problem, the, is that we, we start to become pharmaceutical in our approach that, okay, I'm going to line myself up with these guys over here, and all of a sudden they don't turn out to be who they really are, and then we've, we've forgotten about these people. God loves all people, all right? We love our neighbor as ourself. We, we judge not. Here's where the Pharisees got in trouble was they started judging everybody, and Jesus himself was, stop judging. Don't judge those people because that same judgment's going to come upon you. The third group is the parents. The parents of the blind man were like, you'll, you, we'll talk about parenting for a minute. Maybe some, not all of you are parents. Maybe some of you are spiritual parents. Maybe some of you are, are going to be parents. I became a parent at the age of 20, okay? And so uh, I didn't know anything about parenting. Janie read a, a book by Dr. Spock, Benjamin Spock. That's what she knew about parenting, but we both came from good homes and good parents, and so we had it modeled in front of us. From, some of you maybe didn't have it modeled in front of you, so you didn't know what parents, but we, we wanted to be the best parents that we could absolutely be. That was our goal, was to be good parents, all right? And Janie's the best mother that I've, that I've ever seen. She's an amazing mom. She's an amazing grandmother, okay? And so when we, when we know parenting, but these parents in the scriptures, they totally just dropped the ball. Well, how did they do that? Well, they said, listen, you ask him how he got healed. We fear the Jews. That, that's on him. That's not on us. And so listen what happened. They absolutely got rid of... Are we changing mics? Oh, I hate the cord. Hate the cord. This is Mark signing off. <laughs> See? This is good, right? Thank you, honey. Taking care of me. Throw that mic away. You ask him. Here, listen, you ask him. Now, I think in America that America has the greatest parents in the world. I really do. I think, I think American parents, and I can only speak of what I know, they, they love their kids more than anything. They, they'll take them to soccer practice. They'll take them to basketball practice. They'll take them to debate. They'll take them to band. They'll take them to cheerleading. They'll take them to, uh, to Little League. They'll take them to Optimus League. They'll take them to gymnastics. They'll take them to vacation. They'll take them to the beach. They'll take them, they'll take them here. They'll take them there. They'll take them out to eat. They almost take them everywhere but church anymore. Now, you might be watching online, and I applaud you for watching online. And I would ask that you would, if you have children in the house, you watch the uh, Grace Kids online as well. But don't let COVID, don't let a virus uh, keep you out of church. If you come to this church, I, I would ask you to come back to this church because you can make it to the beach, and you can make it to the restaurant, and you can make it to work, but you can't make it to church. And if you don't need us, we need you. I'll say that again. If you don't need us, we need you. We need your community. We need your strength. We need your parenting skills. We need the fact that you are God lovers and not man followers, that you love Jesus Christ. And we need to see you in church every now and then so that you can lift up holy hands and your praise might set somebody else free. 
Your prayer might set somebody else free. Your worship might set somebody else free. And don't get in the habit of worshiping in your house when you should be in the house of the Lord. And stop walking to fear of coronavirus when the only thing to fear is fear itself. Winston Churchill said, but you need to be able to raise holy hands. You can make it to work on Tuesday. You can wear a mask here. We won't criticize you. All the Democrats in town wear masks. All the Republicans don't. We'll know if you're a Democrat or Republican. <laughs> I wear one sometimes. I take it off sometimes. I just keep you guessing. <laughs> I'm having fun, right? Hey, and no medicine either, by the way. Usually I, I blame these messages on drugs of some sort. No drugs today. No drugs. Praise Jesus. Listen, church, I love you. I love those watching online. Now, some of you watch from Nebraska, from Missouri, from Montana. We don't expect you to be here. We're, thank we're thankful that you tune in. We we're glad. And some people have physical impairments. They can't make it out. We understand that. We get that. So I'm not condemning, okay? All I'm simply saying is do the best that you can. When you can do your best, God will do the rest, okay? And th that's all I'm saying. But don't use it as a cop-out. Don't use it as an excuse. You have neighbors watching you. You have kids watching you. You have people watching you. You have employees watching you. There are people that are watching you and say, okay, if that's, what the, if that's how we do it, we can't make Christianity casual anymore. That costs Jesus Christ way too much to make this thing casual. You've got to do your best to do what you have to do, the call that God's placed on your life. Amen? These parents bailed out. These parents said, you ask him, he's of age, he stands accountable. And yes, although that's true, your kids will stand accountable. They are looking at you to be the leader in your home, to be the visible leader that they can look up to and say, yeah, that's what daddy does, that's what mommy does, that's what I'm going to do too. Well, if it's reading your Bible, if it's coming to church, if it's encouraging the saints, then that's the generation that you're going to raise in your life and in your home. That's the generation that we need. That's the generation that America needs. That's a generation that we need to follow. There's too many platforms out there. There's too many people out there that are trying to tell you how to live and saying it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. You wear a mask and you come on. Wear a whole red cross if you want. I don't care. We'll love you. I, I, listen, we wear masks. Janie and I wear masks. We're, we're good. That don't, listen, I believe in Psalms 91 and we prayed every day over our church. We pray over family. You ain't got nothing to worry about. What if I get the COVID? What if you get it? What if I die? What if you die? I'm going to heaven. Get there quicker. Praise God. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't got to be afraid of it. This, this old world ain't got nothing for me. Just one more soul to reach. Just one more person to, to, to call upon. One more person to say, hey, I want to love you. Listen, parenting whether it's spiritual or physical, biological, is the most important job that you could ever encounter in your whole life. You treat those babies as a gift from God. You treat those babies. And remember, you're the model before them. You're the one, right? You're the one that's going to lead them. You're the one that's going to show them. You're the one that's going to be, uh, be there for them. And hopefully, in our particular case, being parents now for almost 39 years, we can give you a little advice. Janie and I did not know anything going into this thing. I'm not sure we still know anything, but we trusted God every step of the way. And when you trust in God, he will take care of you. Amen? All right, let's go to the blind person. The person is obviously the blind man. 
and he's and I, I I'm a little confused as we close this thing because the disciples who now have walked with Jesus for quite some time have said, "Hey, Rabbi, Master, who sinned, him or his his family, his parents?" And Jesus is like, wait a second, nobody sinned here. This is so the works of God could be glorified. But look at this, and this is what, if we're not careful, this is how we treat people. They treated this blind man as an object, not as a person. Now hear me on that. That's important because sometimes we'll walk by people and God is trying to minister to us, to minister to them, but we treat them as an object. Well, they're a different color. They're a different creed. They're a different nationality. They're a different uh, economic background. They're a different age group. They're different, they're different than mine. They're just an object. And the apostles fell into that realm where these are just an object that belong to somebody's platform. They're not a person that could belong to Jesus. I'm impressed by our team that feeds people the second and fourth Thursday of each month. I'm impressed with our team that goes to Sunny Valley and holds Bible study at 11 o'clock every Saturday, uh, Sunday morning. I'm impressed with our team who used to do sidewalk Sunday school. Why? Because those team members know every person by name. They're not an object. It's not a pat on the back. I'm just going to go feed. They call them out by name. Janie was calling people out by name the other day. Our, our people that help lead that, they have some medical issues right now. We need to pray for them. But they know everybody by name. Our people that go to Sunny Valley into the heart of government housing and teach a Bible study where a few weeks ago a person got shot, they know everybody by name. Why is that important? Because everybody are people and everybody counts. Every person counts. And when you just start throwing money at stuff, you're just buying power. When you start just treating people less than, that's not Jesus' way. And, this, and this, the disciples fell into that trap that we all fall into, we become blind to if we're not careful. Well, that's just the way they are. Or they, they do this, or they do, they're not part of our group. Listen, if they're Christ followers, they're part of our group. If they're not, they need to be. And we need to reach them at their level. Who was this blind person? Well, this is an amazing story because, first of all, he didn't ask to be healed. Jesus comes walking by and Jesus spits on the ground. Why does he spit on the ground? I think he doesn't want to make a formula of his healing. So what's he do? He spits on the ground, he rubs on his eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Why is that? Well, he doesn't want, uh, uh, he doesn't want replicates out there. He commissioned men and women to lay hands on the sick, to be healed. You have that commission today. You have that authority today. You have that power today. Shame on you if you don't use it, but you have that power today. But it's not like my father-in-law tells a story. It's a hilarious story. A group of ladies wanted to get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They prayed and prayed and prayed. And by the way, he prayed for four years. And he's a great man of faith. Just couldn't get filled. He wanted to speak with an unknown tongue. He wanted, to, he wanted to prophesy. He wanted to pray. And so a lady went home on a Sunday afternoon, and she just was praying for the Holy Spirit. Well, she stuck her head in the oven to get the roast down. She started speaking in her prayer language. She testifies that night, 38 more women go home, turn their oven on, stick their head in. That's not how you get filled with the baptism. You ask God to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have to be careful that we don't emulate things that are not of God. And I think this is what Jesus is doing right here. I'm going to spit on the ground, I'm going to rub mud in his eyes, and he's going to be healed. First of all, Jesus can do whatever Jesus wants to do. We have to do what we've been commissioned or commanded or authorized to do, simia, sign. 
when we're, when we're authorized that. So he did not ask to be healed. Jesus healed him. Second of all, he, he auto, all of a sudden, he sees full on. Like he, he's not blind in one eye. He's not, he can see. And he comes back and they want to badger him. Who healed you? Who did this? Who did that? And, all of it, and it's like, man, alive. see what happens when people become Christ followers, they're innocent. The church messes them up. The church messes them up. Well, you can't vote that person. You can't think that way. You can't do that. They can't be saved. We start to mess people up. This is what I love about Grace Church. Grace Church, we need to not mess people up. They're already messed up. We got to help them get right. But get them right is not them bending to you. Getting right is them bending to Jesus. Make sense? This is the person. And so this, this blind man, if you read the rest of the story, he comes back, he finds Jesus, and Jesus finds him. He thanks him for opening his eyes. Come on back, worship team. And then and he thanks him for opening his eyes, and then he opens his heart. And that's the moral of this story, totally, is this. When, when you have a blindness in your life, maybe a spiritual blindness, maybe a physical blindness, maybe a financial blindness, maybe an emotional blindness, Jesus will heal that as a segue to his heart so that he can have your heart. And I wrote a few things down. Uh, this, this past week. What blinds you? I wrote fear. The gospel offers faith. Doubt. The gospel offers belief. Hypocrisy. The gospel offers authenticity. Hatred. The gospel offers love. Offense. The gospel offers defense. So what, what blinds you today? Does something blind you? Maybe, maybe it is an offense. Maybe it's just a downright hurt. Maybe someone in church world has hurt you. Maybe someone in the, in the employment world has hurt you. Maybe somebody in, in life has hurt you. Maybe a parent has hurt you. And so you're afraid to even become a parent because you don't know what a good mother or father look like. You're afraid to be a good neighbor because you're afraid you're, gonna, you're getting judged for, for what you look like or how you act. You're afraid of, of being the person that God called you to be because you've been blinded by this hurt and pain. And God says, no, let me wipe that blindness away so that you become the real you because only you can be the you that you're supposed to be. And when you become the you that you're supposed to be, God's smiling in heaven and now he can use you. Stand with me this morning as I pray for you and then we sing one more song. I want you to take five seconds. Close your eyes if you need to. If you're watching online, take just a few seconds and just and just ask yourself, just, just a moment, hey, am I blind to something? Am I, am I working harder for a political party, for a sports team, for a financial gain than I am for the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I, am I, am I more engulfed in something that I, I do to make me who I am than allowing Jesus to work through me to become more, more of what he wants me to be? Do I spend all my waking hours thinking of things that aren't even going to have an eternal impact? Father, in Jesus' name, we pray right now for every heart you're touching, both in-house and online, for every person that you're visiting with spiritually, for every person that the Holy Spirit is knocking on their heart's door. We rebuke fear right now. We rebuke offense right now. We, we rebuke hatred right now. We, we rebuke uh, heavy egos and arrogance right now. We, we rebuke ignorance right now. We speak, Father, right now, grace. We speak, Lord, that you open the eyes of the blind that we can be the person that we need to be, that we can live for Christ who sets us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
good word, wasn't that? There's so much in there. You can just take so much. Like you can make a whole series out of that series, out of that one. But I loved all of it. In the first service, I really loved the parenting, but I felt like this one, I liked that first part. There was so much, but I love the the um, the part that because sometimes we go through things and we think. Is it because I sinned? This is happening to me because I sinned, or I did, I done something, and this is like payback, or you know, they say karma or something like that. It's not. The man was just born blind, and he's. Is it because he sinned? No, it was because God knew He was going to heal him, and He was going to be glorified, and that's what everything in our life should be about. It should not be about me, 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 but it should be about him, him, him. And if I'm going through something, he's going to give me the peace. He's going to give me the strength. He's going to give me the knowledge and the wisdom and the confidence to go through this trial that you think, I don't know why I have to go through this, but you can say, you know what? I'm going through this all for his glory so that God would be glorified. I love that part. And I love the part that says we should know people know their names know who people are not not just the object or I I can hang around with this person because it's going to help me get to this place rather than just say you know what I hang around with this person because this is my friend and they're just good people and I know their names you know we might take food to them but but there was times where we needed food so somebody knew my name and somebody knew your name so it's just where everybody is at that time but never make that an object never make that less than but know people. So if we're trying to share the love of Jesus Christ, know, know their names. I, I really like that part, that don't look at people as how can they help me, but how can I help you? And I, I love that saying, when you walk into a room, you open the doors and you walk in. Is, is it, oh, there you are, there you are, there's Anitra, there's, you know, there's, you know, you just put your name there. I don't want to start with names. Don't be in trouble. There is that person's name. Or do you walk in a room and say, here I am. Woohoo, I'm here. But I think we have to walk into a room and say, oh, there you are. And know that person's name. And that's how we're going to win them to Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to show the love of Jesus Christ. I love the, the verse that talks about how do we know we're his disciples if we have love one for another, period. Not if they do this or they have this lifestyle or they act like this. How do we know we have loved one for Christ? Is if we have loved one for another. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. Let's let's practice that this week. Amen. Father, we love you and we thank you so much that you are an incredible Father. We thank you for the word that was so amazing today. We pray that it would just penetrate into our hearts and our spirits and it would just change every part of us that needs to be changed, that you be the changer. And God, that our relationship with you would always be that, a relationship, not a religion, but a relationship for everything that you spoke to us. Everything that you taught us was always just about a relationship with you, not the religion, not the, the Pharisees, Lord, but to be like Jesus. So let that be. Let that be our heart. Let that be our desire to know you, to, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, but for you to be the one that teaches us. So Lord, we love you and we pray blessings over each person watching. You give them favor, you give them blessing, you give them increase on their jobs, on their family, their situations healing to anybody that is sick, 
We declare by the stripes on Jesus' back, they have already been healed. So we receive that of every person watching and every person here. Just give them an awesome week and let us glorify you in everything we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all so much. Have a blessed week and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.